guys. Welcome to the Love and Cookies podcast. My name is Nick, and I'm sharing my story and encouraging you to live yours. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, everyone. How are you guys doing today? It's the Love and Cookies podcast, and as we get started today, I want you to raise your hand if you had to do chores as a kid. Man, I hope you really just raised your hand. If you did that, uh, you need to let me know. But I think we all had chores that we did growing up, and every week uh, I, I couldn't stand it. I hated it. I mean, just like every other kid out there, I'm sure. But in my family, cleaning day was Thursday. My brother and I, every Thursday, had the list of things we needed to clean. So each week, I had to dust and vacuum my room. I had to dust and vacuum one of the other rooms upstairs in our house. And I had to clean half of the bathroom. And my brother and I would rotate which half we had to clean. So I hated coming home from school on Thursdays because I knew I would have to start cleaning. And my parents did not work on the honor system. They didn't just trust us to take care of our chores, which was probably a smart decision. Uh, We knew they were going to get checked. And so we used to call it my mom checking chores. It was like the white glove treatment. Like she would put on a white glove and go see if she could find like any speck of dust that would stick to it. So each week we would get personally inspected to see if our cleaning jobs passed. Like I had a couple bookshelves in my room and each week I had to dust at least two of them. And that meant I had to pull everything off of the shelf, dust the items individually, dust the shelf, and then put everything back on. Well, I hated doing that. So uh, (laughs) you see like, well, maybe if I don't do it with the things in the back, you know, she won't check far enough back there or ooh, I'll do a shelf that has books on it this week because I'll just dust in front of the books and dust off the books and she's not going to pull the books off and there's no dust under them. So, you know, I'll do that shelf this week. Or maybe I'll see if there's a shelf that looks like it's got so little dust on it that it'll pass. I would do the bare minimum I could to get by. And so every week there was inevitably something I would have to go back and reclean and then uh, kind of the punishment for not getting it done properly is I wouldn't be able to go out on Friday night so if I wanted to go hang out with my friends at the mall or at the skating rink or the ice rink or at a movie or whatever we were doing I wasn't able to go and the rule usually was that I got one redo so if they checked and I had to redo something if they checked again and it wasn't done I wouldn't be able to go out that Friday night and so you know, I wasn't very, <laughs> was not very obedient. There was, like I said, almost every week I had to go back and re-clean something. I don't know that there was many weeks that I passed on the first time. So I was uh, not very obedient in, in doing my chores. And in the podcast today, I want to talk about having a faithful obedience to God. So what is obedience? Obedience is a submissive behavior with respect to another person. So, like, I was not obedient to my parents in cleaning. Like, I wasn't respecting them. I wasn't, you know, doing what they asked. I was trying to skate by and see if I could get away with something. So today I want to talk about being faithfully obedient to God, about hearing what he has for us, about what he says to us, and faithfully walking in it. 
So the first thing I want to tell you is that many times the things that God tells us will go against logic. They won't make any sense to us. I'm going to talk about a story in Luke chapter 5, and we're going to spend a lot of time here. So in this story in Luke chapter 5, Peter, he was a fisherman by trade, and so he had stopped fishing for the day, and he was cleaning out his net, which was a very tedious task. Jesus uses his boat to preach uh, because there's so many people, and when he finishes preaching, Jesus says to him, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. And Simon Peter answers him. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. So after Peter had put up his boat, he was cleaning his net. And Jesus says, hey, uh, go put out again. You know, go, go out and put your nets back in the water. That was a lot of work. The nets they used, they would cast them out from the boats and move the ends slowly so they were brought together as like a circle. And then men would dive down into the water and bring one portion of a weighted edge over the rest to form this bottom. And then the compass of the net, it, it would be narrowed to catch the fish in. And then they'd pull the fish in and empty them the net into the boat. And sometimes, you know, the net... It might even be so much that they would just tow it into shallow water before they could even pull it out. And so casting the net, it wasn't like using a fishing pole where we just kind of toss it in. It was a lot of work. Peter said, he said, we've been working hard all night. Most fishermen fish during the night, not in the middle of the day. So here Jesus is telling them to go out in the day and, and put their nets out. And they would often fish in shallower water, not deep out in the middle of a lake. So Jesus, what he's telling them to do, it didn't make sense to them. It went against everything they knew as a fisherman. You know, and Jesus, he was a carpenter's son, and he's telling a fisherman how to fish. That doesn't make any sense. That's like me going and telling somebody how to design these amazing graphics when I don't even have the slightest clue of how to use those programs to do it. Or like me telling somebody how to write a code for a computer program when I, I, don't, I, I barely know basic HTML coding. I don't know anything about that stuff. So here Jesus is telling them to do that and it doesn't make any sense. It goes against everything they know how to do. In Isaiah 55, verse 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I'm a huge NC State fan, and in 1983, if you haven't heard the story, the basketball team at NC State, no one thought they were going to do anything. And so when the ACC tournament came around, nobody picked them to win. And... They ended up winning it, and they ended up getting an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament, and they beat some powerhouses, including UNC with Michael Jordan, along the way. And so they get this automatic bid to the NCAA tournament, but everyone's like, well, you know, they're not going to do anything there. Like, they're, they're just going to fizzle out in the NCAA tournament. But instead of that, they made it all the way to the championship game, and they were playing against Houston, who were the returning NCAA champs, they had only lost two games that entire season. So NC State was a huge underdog in that championship game. They were picked to lose badly. And then at the end of the game, the unthinkable happened. On a, on a last-second shot, NC State took the lead and won the game and became national champs. They defied all logic. 
They defied what everyone thought, and they won the game. And a lot of times, things that God tells us can seem like that. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. It wouldn't be what we would do. It might even seem like it's impossible, just like it seemed like it would be impossible for NC State to win that championship in 1983. The things that God tells us to do, we might think they're impossible, but his thoughts aren't our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. So if we want to be faithfully obedient to God, even if it doesn't make sense to us, we have to go after what God is telling us. And the other thing that can happen is that a lot of times when God asks us to do something, it can be uncomfortable. Going back to that story in Luke 5, Peter hadn't caught any fish all night. And he didn't feel like putting the net back into the water because then he was going to have to pull it back out and clean it all over again. And that was not an easy task or a fun task. And he just was not looking forward to it. Like it wasn't something that he wanted to do. My dog, Nala, she absolutely hates going to the bathroom in the rain. And I absolutely hate having to take her out to use the bathroom in the rain because she doesn't understand that the faster she goes out there and the faster she goes to the bathroom, the faster she gets out of the rain. So instead, she'll sit there and sniff around for a few seconds and then look back at me to see, like, hey, is is it cool if I come in? Like, I haven't done anything, but is it cool? As if I'm going to like change my mind and say, nah, you don't need to use the bathroom. Like, come on in, just use it in the house. And she'll just keep doing that nonstop, sniff around for a couple seconds, look back at me, sniff around, look back at me, sniff around, look back at me. Sometimes she'll even get out there in the yard, do that for a little bit, and then just start to run back to the house as if she just finished using the bathroom and be like, oh, well, she's coming back. She must have gone. Like, I haven't been watching her the whole time. And so eventually, after minutes of this and minutes of me having to say, Nala, go to the bathroom, like, go ahead, go, go, go. Like, no, you can't come back in, go. Eventually, she'll find a spot to go, and she'll come back in to get dried off, which is another thing she absolutely hates. She hates being dried off. So it's like a double whammy. I'm like, if you would just go out there and use the bathroom quickly, it would be a lot easier to dry you off, and it would be a lot better for everybody. But she hates the rain. She's uncomfortable in it. She, so she doesn't want anything to do with it. When God tells us to do something, just because we're not comfortable doing it doesn't mean that God's going to change his mind. We can't be like Nala and keep looking back and being like, are you, are you sure, God? Are you sure? Like, do, do I really need to do this? Are, are you sure? Now? Can, can, no. no, God isn't going to change his mind. We have to be obedient And faithfully push forward in the things that God has called us to do. We're never going to be fully equipped to do them. It's never going to be completely comfortable. And that's why we have to faithfully obey him. It may not seem like something we want to do. It's probably going to take us out of our comfort zones, but that's okay. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus and the disciples are walking along the road. And there's a couple of guys that come up to Jesus and say, Hey, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus is like, Okay, cool. Like, Come follow me. And then the guy goes, well, but Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus replies to him and says, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And another guy says, Jesus, I want to follow you, but let me go say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replies back to him, no one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You see, these people, it wasn't that they really wanted to go say goodbye or that, you know, the guy's 
dad had died and he needed to go bury him. Like the guy's dad was still alive. They just weren't comfortable leaving all of that to follow Jesus. They wanted to live their life for a little bit and then go follow Jesus. When God gives us the direction in life, we have to start walking in that direction. We can't just put God up on a shelf while we finish up some things, while we, you know, muster up the courage or wait till we feel comfortable in order to start doing those things. I went on a missions trip to Ecuador and we were going to do a drama in the town square with one of the churches we were working with. So we met the pastor at the church and he told us that all the kids from vacation Bible school were going to come with us and it was about a mile to the town square. So our entire missions team and all these kids and people from the church, we just started walking down to the town square. But it wasn't just an ordinary walk down to the square. Instead, the whole time we were dancing around, making a ton of noise, doing cartwheels and flips and all kinds of crazy things, hyping up the children to draw some attention to get some people to come check out what we were going to do in the town square. Now, what makes this story even crazier is that about a year earlier, the pastor's church had been burned down by people from the Catholic church. But yet here we were just about a year later and we were marching to the town square that was built around the steps of the Catholic church. And we ended up doing our evangelistic drama on the steps right in front of the Catholic church, giving an altar call and seeing a ton of people come to know Jesus. Now that pastor could have very easily just left his church in a burnt state. Just said, you know what? That's it. <laughs> like I, it's burned to the ground. Like I'm done. Like that's crazy. I'm not doing this anymore. There's no way he could have felt comfortable when the town was saying, we don't want you here. There's nothing comfortable about that. But instead of that, he was faithfully obedient to the, what God had called him to, and he pressed on and was seeing that town changed for Jesus. So even though God's will might not make any sense, even though it might not seem logical, even though it'll take us out of our comfort zones, God really does have our best in mind. So going back to that story in Luke 5, so Jesus has been preaching in Peter's boat, and he tells him, after he's done to push out into deeper waters and let his net back down. And Peter's like, Hey, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish. They began to tear a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Peter was obedient and let the net out. It didn't make sense. He didn't really want to do it. But when he did, he caught so many fish, he had to call out other boats to help him pull the net in. And even then, it was still so many fish, it was causing the boats to sink. Being faithfully obedient to God, to what God has called us to do, can bring great rewards. Almost every job that I've worked in, I've been promoted within my first year of working. From my first job that I had at a gas station, to when I worked in restaurants, to when I worked at the YMCA, to where I'm working at Community of Hope Ministries, 
almost every single job I've been in, I've been promoted within the first year. And a huge contributing factor to this is that I always work hard and I always go above and beyond to give my best. When I'm given responsibilities, I put everything into it. And we need to do the same thing with what God tells us to do. We need to be faithful, obedient. We need to give it our all, even in those moments where it doesn't make sense, even in those moments where we feel uncomfortable. We need to be faithfully obedient, just like Peter was. He, he didn't want to, but he put those nets back in the water, and he caught so many fish. Man, when God tells us to do something, let's just run after it. Let's be obedient. Let's just obey, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it doesn't make sense, because God knows what he is doing. Thank you guys for listening to the Love and Cookies podcast. You know, there's not much better than a fresh-baked cookie, so go ahead and subscribe so that you can get new episodes straight out of the oven. And don't be selfish. Share them with your friends. Again, thanks for listening. Until next time.